There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. I have a very important question to ask. Is everyone a child of God? Now think about it before you respond, before you answer. Is everyone a child of God? Now I know the politically correct and religiously correct way of viewing things is to say we are all worshiping the same God. But that's impossible because there are different concepts of God within different religious worldviews that are contradictory and incompatible. For instance, Ultimate reality in Hinduism is Brahman, which is an impersonal cosmic life force. You do not pray to Brahman, but you meditate on that inward essence of Brahman until you come to the realization of your oneness with Brahman in that worldview. And then on the opposite end of the pole, you have Islam that teaches God is absolutely one, one of the worst sins you can commit is shirk, which means attributing divinity to anything or anyone other than Allah. And so a Christian who believes that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh and the everlasting image of the invisible God is committing that sin. There is no way the God of the Muslims and the God of the Hindus and the God of a Christian believer are one and the same God. Now, in a very general sense, all three may be casting worshipful devotion, the direction of the creator of the universe in a generic way, but specifically and uniquely, they are not worshiping the same God. So that leads to the next question, is everyone a child of God? This is very important for us to come to grips with this because it, it is a recurring issue in conversations with those who are not yet converted. Let's go to the Bible because that's our only source of revelation, not personal opinion. And I'm sure that we can come to a conclusion by comparing scriptures and passages that complement each other. First, let's go to the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus told his disciples, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus used that term, toward God many times. It's important to see that those who were listening to him that day were not yet born again. They were not yet saved according to new covenant standards. Jesus had not yet ascended into heaven, and so the Spirit of Christ could not dwell in the hearts of men. Now, Ephesians 3.17 says, Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. And so that regenerative experience of the new covenant was not yet available. And yet, Jesus referred to God 
in his relationship to those who were listening to him that day as the Father. Let me repeat it. Matthew 5:16 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven and let me repeat they were not yet born again so they were not yet in a spiritual sense the sons and daughters of God yet Jesus referred to God as being their Father And who was in that crowd of people that listened to him that day? It could have been just disciples that he had called, like Peter, James, and John, or it could have been a mixed group. Those that he had called, those that were interested in him, curious about his message, those who may not have even been Jews. They could have been Gentiles mixed in with the crowd. And yet, in a very general and all-inclusive sense, God was referred to as their Father. Another example is Luke chapter 12, verses 29 through 32. Once again, Jesus is addressing a crowd of people who have come to listen to his insights. And he says, Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Once again, those who were listening to him that day have not yet been born again, and it may be a mixed crowd of both Jews and Gentiles. It may be his closest disciples, and yet people that were just Uh, curious about his message, yet in an all-inclusive way, he refers to God as being their father. Then what about prior to his ascension into heaven? Mary Magdalene came to the grave, and she was standing outside of the empty tomb, weeping, and someone she thought to be the gardener came up to her and said, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she did not yet recognize him, nor recognize his voice. And she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And again, this statement was made before the day of Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit came in the upper room, before the Spirit of God came into the hearts of the followers of Jesus, begetting them in a supernatural sense. And yet Jesus said, I'm ascending to my father and your father. My response to that would be that, yes, all people are children of God, but in a certain limited sense, all people are children of God after the creation because of descending from Adam and Eve. Adam was referred to as a son of God in the Bible. And all of us have descended from Adam, and therefore, in that general and natural sense, By virtue of being human beings descended from Adam, we are all children of God after the creation. 
However, there is a vacuum within the hearts of human beings that will be filled with one spirit or another. That vacuum will either be filled with demonic influence or the spirit of God, with deception or with truth, with earthly things or heavenly things. Now, let me show how Jesus made a distinction with his detractors, those who were fighting against him, those that were trying to do everything they could to discredit him and to prove he was an imposter. They did not accept his claim to being the Messiah. Let's visit that conversation in the Bible in John chapter 8, verses 38 through 44. Jesus said, I speak what I have seen with my father, and you then do what you have seen with your father. They were plotting to kill him or to do whatever necessary to rid Israel of Jesus' influence. But they answered and said to Jesus, Abraham is our father. And Jesus responded, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Now listen to this next statement. Jesus said, you do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So in this passage of scripture, Jesus makes a very blatant distinction between those who are children of God and those who are children of the devil, and those who rejected his claim to be in the Messiah, who were plotting against him, he labeled children of Satan or children of the devil. Why? Because they had been spiritually begotten, where demonic forces had influenced their hearts, invaded their minds, invaded their lives, possessed them, and drove them to do something very ungodly and horrible, the rejection of the Messiah. See, the Bible makes it very clear that there is a definite point when you become a child of God. Well, you may say, well, this is confusing. I thought everyone was a child of God. After the creation, everyone is a child of God after the creation, but then there is a certain point in each person's life where that man or woman begins to yield to the influence of deception or yield to the influence of the truth. And they are begotten in a spiritual sense, either begotten of demonic influence, satanic influence, or begotten of God's influence. And God, in a very manifest and supernatural way, becomes father in each one of their lives. Let's go to John chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, 
and his own did not receive him, speaking of Israel as a whole. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the King James Version says, the power to become children of God, to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And now here, a line is drawn between two groups of people, those who are born of the will of the flesh, who are natural human beings, who are children of God after the creation, and those who are born of God, who supernaturally move up into a new category of being regenerated sons and daughters of God. There is a distinction. There is a difference, a marked difference between the two. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, the scripture says, whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, Jesus was the first son born of the spirit in a full and complete sense. He was created in the womb of Mary so that he became the first begotten of the father. He was the only begotten son of God. He was the only son begotten only of the father, where there was no natural union between Joseph and Mary that brought him forth, but he was completely a manifestation of the creative power of God. A virgin conceived and bore a son and called his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. But he was the prototype of all sons of God to come. Now, of course, all of us have been born of the natural union of a man and a woman. However, if we are in the true church, if we are a part of the body of Christ, in reality, not just a theological concept, but an actual experience of heart, then we have been born again. And what happened during that spiritual rebirth is the Spirit of God came back into us blended with our spirit. According to Ezekiel 36, 26, this is what the new covenant was all about. God said, I will put a new spirit in them and I will put my spirit in them. I will give them a new heart. That's what God did for us. We were begotten of God in a spiritual sense and became sons and daughters of God. So there is a distinction in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, You, has he made alive, who were once dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And so there is a spiritual influence that is passed from Satan to the demons that work under his charge, to the people that are under the influence of those demons, so that Satan's spirit is the dominating, controlling spirit in the lives of those who are not yielded to the authority of God. And that's why Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Children of disobedience qualify to be children of Satan or children of the devil. 
They're also referred to as children of darkness, contrasted to those who are yielded to God, who are titled the children of light. The scripture also calls those who are serving deception and sin vessels of wrath and sons of the night. But you and I who have yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior become vessels of mercy and sons of the day. See, the scripture says you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. That implies that prior to salvation, you were incomplete. There is a certain aspect of every human being that needs to be completed. It is the soul that is devoid of the presence of God, devoid of that spiritual influence that brings us into the whole family of God, which is named with the name of Jesus. That's an eternal family. That's a supernatural family. That's a spiritual family. It's not an Adamic family. Now, let me sum up what I've had to say on this episode. Once again, declaring that, yes, all human beings, regardless of religious affiliation, are children of God after the creation. Their heavenly Father loves them. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes on him should not perish. All human beings are children of God after the creation, but that's not enough to inherit eternal life. We must become children of God in a supernatural, spiritual sense, born again. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter and he cannot comprehend the kingdom of God. I hope this has clarified this issue because there is a vacuum inside of every human being that must be filled with some kind of spiritual influence and it will either be the influence of God or the influence of the devil. And whatever you are influenced by, you become a child of. Whatever completes you spiritually, you become a child of. If you are brought to completion by the devil or his subordinate demons, then you become a child of darkness. If you are brought to completion by the Spirit of God and the Word of Truth and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, you become a child of God one of the children of light. Whatever completes you, whatever spirit inhabits you, you are a child of. So it's not sufficient to be children of God after the creation. To inherit eternal life, we must be children of God by supernatural rebirth. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shreve's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.